being able to have a partner where I could grow and be understood and who was trying to support me um, emotionally and physically, then um, not having to feel like, you know, every time I do something, I'm in trouble about this or that, right? Because he had a very much more uh, trusting perspective, right? My ex-husband just came from too violent of a home. Hello and welcome to Grief, Gratitude and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. I'd like to welcome you all to our podcast today. Today, you will be listening to Stephanie Saren's story. Stephanie is an author. She uh, recently wrote a book called Healing My Heart After a Loss, Affirmations That Encourage Me to Feel and Heal My Grief. And we will be hearing about her story, her journey of grief and gratitude in that process, and also learning a little bit more about what got her to write this book. So welcome, Stephanie, to the podcast. Well, thank you, Kendra. I feel real um, grateful to have a chance to share my story on your podcast. Thank uh, you so much for having me. I'm so happy you're here. And we have a two-hour difference. You're two hours earlier than me. Uh, if you'd like to share a little bit of where it is you live with the listeners, and we'll, I'm, I'm going to ask you a little more about your life as well so they get to know you. Sure. Yes, I, I'm blessed to live on Vancouver Island, so it's a very beautiful spot in Canada, and I think it's one of the best spots. I, we drove quite across Canada in 2017, and I thought, yeah, I like Vancouver Island best. <laughs> now, and, how, when you take, a, you take a ferry then to go inland? <laughs> Yes. How yes. long does it take? How long does it take to take an a ferry? Hour and a, about an hour and a half. Oh, it is a long ferry ride. Oh, okay. yeah. And then you have, I mean, you could sit at the ferry terminal for three hours if you don't make a reservation, though. So, oh, wow. So you really yeah. do have to prepare just like going on a flight, like really, like just preparing as if you're uh, going on a flight, reserve your ferry ride if you're going to yeah. go into, into, on, on if you really, if you got a real appointment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, now from there, can you also, uh, do you have to go into Canada or, or do you have access also to Seattle, to Washington state as well? Yes, we have access to, we have a ferry that, a walk on ferry that goes from the island to Seattle. And then we have a drive on ferry that goes from the island to Port Angeles in Washington. Okay. So we have well, two different ways to get there. But wonderful. Good. So you, it's good. You have the Best of all worlds, you know, in an island, but also access to two different countries within. <laughs> yeah, and it's good because I was born in the States, and so then I fell in love with Robert, and then, then I moved to Canada. Moved so. To, okay, so let's go into there. So where in the States did you grow up? In Western Washington. Oh, awesome. Okay, so you were still there. Okay, yeah. so tell us about your childhood, since that is part of your story, too, into then writing this book. So let's yeah. go into that. Where did you, it, where in Western Washington did you grow up and tell us about your upbringing? I, well, I was just raised by regular middle-class parents and we had a, you know, my dad worked at a pulp mill. So he had a regular job where he worked shift work and uh, I had a stay at home mom. And so, you know, just regular and uh, kind of life. And we're, we were lucky enough that I got to have some horses. My parents moved to a farm when I was nine. And I was, I believed I was Laura Ingalls Wilder reincarnate because <laughs> I loved that story so much. And ever since I was in my grade three, I wanted to be a writer. And so um, the, the how, you know, I just was, I had a very pretty blessed childhood. And then 
when I was in my 15th year, I woke up one morning and then my dad's car was like parked on the little road that came to my house off the main road. And so when, um, and I went, so I went running out there, why is my dad's car out there? Right. And I didn't even say anything. Like my mom was still in bed and my brother was in bed and I just go running out there because I'm always the first one up in the house at that time. And then, um, and then he was just laying there on the ground and I was, so I went running back in the house and someone, a neighbor or someone had already been there and he came while I was there again and he had called the ambulance somehow. He saw my dad or something, right? Oh, so the I, neighbor had already reached the ambulance before you had, had reached my dad. dad's Had reached my dad's car and then oh. seen him outside because he kind of wrecked the car, but he died from alcoholism. He mm -hmm. coughed so hard he ripped his esophagus inside. It's called a Mallory Weiss tear. And you bleed to death inside yourself real fast. It, our, our esophagus has so much blood vessels, which I didn't know. So is it so okay? So because of the amount of he, so he was he was intoxicated in that moment and then cough, or because of his body already having had so much alcohol yes. that then when he coughed, that okay. So that that kind of eruption on the esophagus is was caused because of what his body had already endured from alcohol in the years. Yes, it can. Um having so much alcohol can actually erode your esophagus if you drink too much. And he had a lot of indigestion, right, probably from that. And oh, reflux, all those kind of things that also then create all that irritation in the esophagus. That's oh. right. And so, yeah. yeah. Because it wow. was in 1980, right? I was only 15, so it was a long time ago. We didn't have, my mom said, your dad wouldn't have, would have lived if they would have had that little purple pill back then. And I thought, well, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Now, how, so your brother was younger than you, or is he younger, or? Yeah, he's like you? eight years younger. I was oh, like was the much... second mom, so. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have a difference in age similar to my my younger siblings and I. So the, um, you you see this, you come in, was it, he was, he had he already passed away, was, or was he, or was it he that was he went just... to the hospital? No, he was just in the process. He wasn't, I don't think he was quite passed away because the ambulance picked him up and then he passed in the ambulance. Okay. So in that moment then you have then growing up then with your mom and your brother, you go through this. What was the process of supporting your grief, like either from your mom, your family around? Was there that support in your grief journey? Was it something that was talked about or not? What was that uh, like? No, we had a very normal family where we didn't talk about anything. And no. we had a very normal family. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it was much too shameful in 1980 to go to a counselor, right? Because then that meant you were crazy. You were crazy, right. Right. No, so, right. It's no, so true. So. so much taboo around mental health and support around mental health and emotional health in this case with grief as well. That is not just, you know. So, yeah. um, so then what tools then did you have or not have during that, um, time then as a 15 year old going through this, not being able to talk about what you had just witnessed at the same time as what you had felt, um, what was it? And what time of year was it, by the way, was it in the summer? Was it at school? Like, was, were you, was it school time? I'm trying to. Yeah. Yeah. It was it on, in... Yeah. I was getting ready to go to school. It was actually Earth Day in 1980. Okay. And so April, I was right? April. Yeah. I was just, yeah. So it was a nice day. I just went running out and, and it's interesting because I couldn't even have really talked about it at, for, I mean, probably right away, but my brain blocked it out. Like I didn't remember finding my dad till after, because of course I used the time-tested methods of alcohol and drugs and self-abuse to <laughs> cope with my pain because I didn't have any other way to cope. Well, that's also it. how you had seen your dad probably also handle whatever <laughs> else emotionally, right? He'd gone through too, right? So it's like yeah. if there was nothing else... Um, to yeah you didn't know any 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 different and at school then there was no like school counselor either uh oh no at all? they didn't have 
in the 80s we didn't really have school counselors not like now not you might have a you might have a counselor where you you know you would go to talk about your schooling you know what classes Mm -hmm. you wanted to take but not about your emotional state so then how was it for you then share like in school then with your friends did you ever then talk about that at school with your friends or to nobody you didn't talk about yeah, any, no, I, to anybody no because every time you talked to we talked about it or I talked about it I would just cry and I didn't want to feel that pain mm-hmm. right like even to my mom it was just in the last few years 10 years probably before she died that we could even talk about my dad without crying because she was mm-hmm. still she would lay in bed every night and still pine for my father, right? Like even mm. though she had a new husband, right? And she still mm. couldn't get oh, over. Oh, so she my... did remarry. So she remarried. How many years after your dad oh, passed away? The first time she remarried, it was just like one year after. My mom was—they'd X-rayed my mom for acne in the fifties. So my for six months, two or three times a week. And they baked her in these x-rays. Um, so my mom was quite ill from that experience. Mm-hmm. My whole life, my mom was ill. She had terrible rheumatoid arthritis. And so, so, wow. So that was, yeah, so a lot. So you grew up basically with two ill parents, because two ill parents, because, you know, you're, you're, and then your dad passing, and then just not too long ago, then your mom. Um, so... Let's talk then about what shifted then, because here you're sharing then about all these tools, quote unquote, <laughs> of, of coping, which were really more ways of avoiding the coping, right? Yeah. Of, of <clears throat> trying to not feel all this pain. What uh-huh. changed then, because here you are writing a book now about all these affirmations. So what changed from the age of 15 to now in that journey? Um, well, at about 24, then I quit drinking and I, uh, started reading. I mean, I read some books before, um, about positive thinking and stuff, mm-hmm. but not a lot. And then when I got into AA and I got sober, um, then that's when I started doing more reading and learned about Louise Hay and the affirmations and, you know, using those on myself because I knew I was so messed up that, like, I didn't have children or anything because um, I knew I was a real mess and I needed to, like, re-raise myself, right? That's how I kind of felt. So I was just going to learn to parent myself. First, correct. Right. And that's such a that's such a good uh, phrase you're using there. It's like we, we hear we're giving, giving, giving to others sometimes in general, and this is something for if any of us to even really reflect whether we've gone through something as hard as you have or not, is that fact that we also have to nurture and parent that little child in us as well. And we sometimes neglect it, neglect it right? So the fact that you had gone through something hard, so hard, you learned then to reparent yourself first. Um, then at the age of 24 is when this journey started for you of learning to reparent as well as learn to love yourself and all these affirmations. And for those not familiar with Lewis Hay and her books um, and her methodology, would you mind just sharing a little bit about how it is she uses these affirmations Uh, in terms of healing our body? Sure. Um, Louise Hay has been, you know, in the healing realm and an author and a book uh, publisher you know, probably since the 70s or 80s, I think she started. And she was really helpful in the AIDS crisis down in San Francisco and helping uh, people to reach out, uh, or I mean, reach inside themselves to and reassure themselves and give affirmations. Because if we can change our perceptions of ourselves, we can change our lives. Mm-hmm. And mostly we've been raised by parents that were, you know, I mean, my husband's parents were in World War II. They didn't mm. have any, you know, like, seriously, his mom was getting bombs dropped near her and had mm. to run to bomb shelters, right, when she was a Priorities kid, right? were completely different. That was survival priorities. That's like, yeah. Yeah, wow. and so, you know, when you go through that, you're, you know, his parents didn't have time to give him emotional support in some ways because of that, right? And mine, you know, we all... 
I'm just trying to say we all come from kind of broken parents because of just society and we didn't really I mean it was always just suck it up buttercup because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean really wallowing in in sad emotions really isn't going to help you anyway so you might as well suck it up buttercup mm-hmm. but you do have to deal with those emotions sometimes if you want to have a more happy life right and, right and, and so which affirmations that Lewis, if you recall, and like which ones when you started that journey of reading into her books of that self-healing, I know I've looked anytime I have like, oh, I have lower back pain. Let me see what affirmation I have to look to and see what emotional aspect is related to my lower back pain. And so then I'm like, oh, it has to do with emotional or financial support or something like that. I'm just like, hey, let me. So then I say this affirmation. So which ones were some of those that you started using? during that time. And I know also, I'm sure that, um, and you mentioned this with being in, um, in the, um, AA as well, the amount of spiritual and emotional awakening that goes through, even going through those kind of journeys, right. And the support you get even there, um, as well. So yeah, sorry, I asked too many, too, too many at once. That's all right. Questions at once. Yeah. The, um, you know, the mostly the affirmations I use to just reassure myself, like, I am lovable, I am kind, I am worthy. You know, they were just really short affirmations than what Louise Hay. Um, they were just like little one-liners, right? Mm-hmm. I am worthy of love. Um, I think before I act or speak, that was one that really helped me um, mm-hmm. to be able to... Um, just have a more happier life because then I wouldn't say things that I had to feel bad about later, right? If I mm-hmm. thought and, you know, just think things through and just affirmations that, you know, like to befriend death because I know it's coming for me. That's what I was so upset about. It's like, what? I'm going to go through all this shit. Die. Like, oh my God. Like, that seems like pointless. Why did I even come here then? It's like, so to be able to befriend it after yeah. having been it your enemy, quote unquote, and for so many people in general, we fear it so much, yet it's like the one thing we actually know is certain in our life is death, right? So to know that that is certain and to know that the pain and the grief that will come from losing those around us that will die, as well as our own mortality is just a fact of life. How the how was that then that evolution of Stephanie Saren's going into then befriending it from you know how was that process? Well, it was uh, it took a long time. It wasn't overnight. That's for sure. It's just um, the because uh, you know I had no framework, and then it was just this shock. And it was well, like I had my great grandma die or. But it, that's in order. When someone's really old and then they mm-hmm. die, that's in order. But when someone dies, my dad was only 39, right? Oh, so that so, was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he yeah. sobered up a lot of his friends, right? He said, oh, God, Jim died. Oh, I'll straight up. Mm. Right? So he was able to help his friends in that. And So imagine, okay, that right there, I just got chills in that moment because that, that, that right now how you said that he was able to help his friends and that 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 realization for them of him passing so young from something that they themselves were also suffering from and even for yourself that even though you did go to a through a period of life of that because again that's all you knew for you to also know that you couldn't live that way and also sober up, but sober up buttercup. Maybe you should say not suck it up buttercup. Now it's sober up buttercup. (laughs) (laughs) You had to sober up buttercup. (laughs) So that is, that is, um, yeah, that is quite a, a, a big, um, learning there that his death didn't go in vain. Right. No, Hmm. no, he really, um, it really affected his friends. Because he was the life of the party, and he would always lend a helping hand, and he was good-natured like that. Mm. So, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of people really did, you know, missed him. He had a packed house, right? Because he was so young. The younger you are, the bigger the funeral, right? 
Mm. <laughs> wow, that's true because, well, there's also more people that are still alive to see you go, you know, because sometimes yeah. when we're older, all our friends might have already passed already, too. So yeah. then, yes, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say Robert's dad just passed at 96 in October, the end of October and the 30th. And, and you know, there wasn't really any, you know, he was like, he says, Wait, 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 who's Robert? Am I? Am I like? I don't know who Robert. My, who is? Oh, my husband's father. Oh, oh, okay, 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 okay. Sorry about that. Robert's yeah, dad. I thought you said Robert's, Robert's and I thought you said like a last name, and I'm like, who's Robert's dad? His dad. I thought you said you so said your husband's dad. Okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> wow, yeah. Nice. that's a beautiful. That's a long, yeah, long life. But yeah, none of his friends were at his. But all the, you know, kids, kids, grandkids, or any of you know things like that. Yeah. Now, um, let's go then into how it is you ended up then becoming a writer. And then there's other things you do, too. We were talking before we started recording. You do Reiki, reflexology. So how did you get into that line of work? And I also want to know how you met Robert. So do you decide which okay. order? Do you, which one came first, Robert <laughs> or reflexology and Reiki? And then go in that direction. All right. Um, <laughs> well, reflexology started when... Um, when I was at home with my mom, because she had terrible rheumatoid arthritis, and my mom's had tried everything to get better. She slept under a pyramid, like, and she would adjust the pyramid to be perfectly at north. Like, truly, my mom tried everything. Wait, wait, she wait. Okay, wait. I need to understand this visually. What a pyramid slept <laughs> under a pyramid. Explain to me what that means. So there was a like a tube pyramid. Yes. So it's yes. just like a frame of a pyramid. Okay. But big, like it went over the whole queen size bed. Oh, kind of like this, a teepee, like a teepee over, like a teepee over her bed to some extent, yeah. that type of shape. Over, okay. But a pyramid with four mm -hmm. sided, you know. Okay. And then on the top, it had a copper top to like draw energy to it or some, I'm not sure of the psychology of it all or the methodology, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. And then, um, and then, then she slept with the bed up. Like, so she, her blood would get down from her legs better. And like my mom tried everything, right? She slept on Nikan magnets. She took every vitamin, right? And so, but her body just never got any better, mm. unfortunately. So you grew up seeing her then doing all these different methods to try to support her health uh, in that process. And then that kind of sparked your curiosity into all these different methods of healing? Yeah, the reflexologist that she went to, Dick Thurston, was a wonderful man. And he saw I had an interest in it, and so he trained me so I could help her. And then he he was just a very, he was kind of looked like Humpty Dumpty. He had suspenders and blue <laughs> pants always, and he was bald and a little portly. And But he just was so kind and Whenever he would do the reflexology, he would just be so peaceful looking and the energy around him, I just loved it. And so, and then he would always give me a little mini treatment, like for a few minutes, you know, when I would go along with my mom and I just loved it. And I thought, oh my gosh. So, and my mom hardly paid him anything because he just charged by donation. So she would oh, give him wow. like five or $10. And so I carry what on generous, that. What a kind, what a kind, uh. Mine. Oh, so you carry on that same um, method as, of payment as well? Yes, to honor him because he taught wow. me. So you I, do it by whatever the person wants to give you? Yep, I just say, you know, it's for in trade. Mm -hmm. You know, it's by barter, whatever, you know, whatever money you can afford to pay by donation. So for you, it's really more about, you know, the service that you are providing, um to someone in that process that is really what what is also bringing you joy is that uh energy exchange in some way or another and if it's not financial that they're giving you then like you said a barter so what some of the things that people have bartered for your services like just example just curious what type um, of well uh usually so it's just um well, i have a friend where we do a trade like she gets a massage, like today's her massage day, if it doesn't start to snow before too long. <laughs> and then, and then every other week we trade and then, but mostly it's just for cash or trades, you know, if I want to trade or then I'll trade with them. That's, but usually 
I, it's usually on a sliding scale of cash, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I would take a trade if, you know, a mm -hmm. friend of mine, what, uh, I do have a friend where she's making me a sweater and I'm, I give her massages. She's a good knitter, so. <laughs> now, when you do that massage and reflexology, do you do Reiki in the same session or is it a separate session that you do that? No, yes, I do the uh, I do the Reiki and the reflexology simultaneously, mm -hmm. so that um, I'm doing the energy body and the physical body as well. Oh, that's so perfect. Now, with that, with that combination we just said, the energy body and the physical body, let's go into those spiritual uh, components of of that grief journey. What were your beliefs when when your dad passed away? When your dad died? of um about death and what happens after and did that change or or did that also play a part in your grief journey those spiritual beliefs about whatever happens after we die no i think we weren't a very religious family we mostly believed in beer and but we did go to church a little bit like i went to church with the neighbor girls and my dad's mother was very dogmatically christian right but that's probably why we didn't go because she was very dogmatic about it, right? So that's kind of to be kind of harsh. And so, um, no, I didn't really know, you know, just die and go to heaven, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. My, but, we used even, to... but what is heaven? Like you would, right. yeah, that understanding of it was not. So then what has shifted or what are your feelings about it now in terms of your own, in this, and you don't have to answer by the way, but I always... I'm the one that's usually curious if that's played a part in you also befriending grief and befriending the idea of death as well. If that, if the shifting of what you see about death has made a difference, you know what I mean? In your, yeah. in your belief. Yeah, it totally does. Cause my, um, like when my mom just passed away like three years ago, it was for me a totally peaceful, wonderful situation to see because my mom's body was broken and really disheveled. And she, like, if I would have had that body, I might let it go like a long time before mm -hmm. that. It's like she, she was good at dealing with physical discomfort sometimes, mm -hmm. like my mom. Like, I, I, I couldn't stand to suffer as long as my mom did, really. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have wanted that life. My my mom had a stroke a few years before, like she could hardly walk, like, and she couldn't even walk in before that. And and so my view of death was from, you know, I wanted to die with my dad. I wanted to, why didn't you take me with you? You left me here like, mom, oh my God, <laughs> right? And so, because um, I was daddy's girl, right? Mm. And so, um, but now, um, my view of death is very beautiful and stunning. I did a, uh, distance healing on my mom right before she passed and as she was we were kind of hovering above the hospital bed that's the only it was just feelings not really I couldn't see me and my mom I could just see what was in front of us kind of thing but it was like the energy of me and my mom hovering over the the hospital bed and my mom was like the most giant raisin you ever seen in the bed and I said gosh mom that body's pretty trash looking <laughs> you know mm. And she's like, oh, oh, you know, and yeah, it is, you know, and then that, then we just hung out there a little bit longer. And then the next thing we were going down this path together and there was lights at the, it was light, you know, bright golden light. And we were going toward the light and then the light all kind of individuated, like it was all these beings of light, right? They were very just you know they didn't have like faces and arms and but you just got this feeling of that they were beings of light and then i felt like i passed my mom's hand to my dad and then then that was then it was pretty much the meditation immediately like ended after that and it usually when my healing meditations go about 45 minutes but with my mom when i came out of the meditation it was like Wow, that's only twenty minutes. I ripped my mom off. I better try again to get back in there. And, but really, that was just. And then I found out that um, my that right during that time, my mom got a big dose of morphine. So maybe that's what cut off the. But why we didn't go farther, I don't really know why. It, but um, but it just. 
I've felt real peaceful about death since then. I mean, before that, I felt okay about it, and I had befriended it, and maybe that's why it, but it was just like, I never had a meditation experience like that before, right? Yeah, it was transcendental. It was just something that that you got to see just a different perspective, and of of what could be this spiritual or energetic realm, whatever we want to call that, you know, whatever continues. Um, that is that is so beautiful that you were able to have that healing process before her passing and actually be probably part of that, of course, journey as well as you were doing that uh, long distance uh, session with her as you were doing that. That's beautiful. Now. Tell us more then of the tools. So we you've, we've talked about then affirmations being part of the tools that you used in your grief journey. Um, having gone through AA, being part of this tool, the tools that you did start implementing then at the age of 24 of, as well of this reconciliation with yourself as well as with the things that had happened in your life. What other tools uh, have you used and how did then writing come into play in this journey and then the trajectory of now having written your book oh we we still have to get to how you met Robert too so (laughs) that's right well I was I was gonna go back to that because he's kind of a big part of it yes because this is my third marriage and the other two obviously didn't work out and but in the other two marriages it's like I just got littler and littler and littler till mm. the marriage ended, right? For for whatever reason, different mm. reasons. But for um, the first husband, I just didn't really like him. And then the second husband, I really loved him, but he dealt with his emotional stuff by slapping me around, right? So mm. I couldn't put up with that forever. And mm. so when I met Robert, um, I was much healthier and my my second ex-husband was a very good person and I learned lots. I read tons and really grew in that relationship, even though it was a rather stressful relationship. I had never had an orgasm before that man either. And he fixed me on there. So that was very good. <laughs> well, because that's also all related to emotions, right? So the fact all that, related. right? So all related. So in that, that is a key. You sharing that is not a TMI kind of moment as it is actually... <laughs> No, just so that the audience is how much our emotions and all this grief play a part in all aspects of our life. Um, so the fact that maybe at that with him was in that moment of maybe your body already going through a shift in changing emotionally uh, as well, that then you were able to actually experience pleasure, not maybe feel guilty about actually experiencing because who knows what other reasons you might have not before uh, right. you know, not not felt that maybe you deserved to feel anything and if you had c- completely blocked feelings of even grief or of this or you know then that can also block all these other emotions of joy and pleasure as well exactly because it was in that marriage that when I remembered that I had all that finding mm-hmm. my father because I had just blocked it out and I had I didn't even know you could do that, right? But then when I was with in that marriage, that's when with all the book reading and all the talking that Jeffrey and I did and stuff, he was very good with he was very good with emotional problems except his own, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so <laughs> and So but um, it but it was part of you know, that what you were talking about in general, like this is actually a good uh segue of seeing even how many other grief journeys we go through and learnings that in that relationship, even though he was broken, it actually in certain things of his own life that ended up helping you grow in that, in that process. So it's again, that grief and gratitude and growth, you know, that goes in even in relationships. So, so you outgrew that relationship per se, that a relationship ended and then in 2000, when that relationship ended, that's when I made a commitment in my heart to cheer up the planet. What did I want to do now that I got done this crappy marriage and good and stressful and crappy? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, uh, and um, I went to a battered woman's shelter and all that, right? And so I got all started over. And then four years later, I met Robert. And um, 
in this relationship, I've just got to be, get bigger and bigger and bigger. Like Robert, my husband's six foot seven and he's an artist. Oh my goodness. Six and, foot seven. And, <laughs> and then you very, play basketball. That's like the ta- typical question for someone that's tall. Are you a basketball player? <laughs> yeah, he wasn't, but everybody wanted him to be. That's for mm-hmm. sure. And um, yeah, and so because he's and he's quite flamboyant and um so i've just gotten to get bigger and bigger and bigger like like it's okay now like if in my last marriage if i attracted attention to myself that was a very bad thing and i would get in very big trouble but in this like i wouldn't even make eye contact with people by the end of that relationship and all kind of things right and now in this relationship i get to talk to everybody and i get to attract as much attention to myself as i want (laughs) You have like, permission. You get permission to do, right. yeah. <laughs> and no matter what, I'll, I'm still the straight one, right? Like, because <laughs> Robert's even more, like, he's going to get more attention no matter what. Because when you're six foot seven, how tall are you? Like, you can, when you walk in a room, they notice, right? Yes. <laughs> so. He already, yeah, makes a present, has a presence. So you have to kind of grow yourself in order to even be at least six foot tall next to a six foot seven <laughs> yeah so then in that then you you in this relationship then you've grown and in this process then because you said you wanted to write since you were a little girl so That's where right. where was writing in this whole journey and did you journal in these other, even while you were going through these other relationships did journaling ever play a part in your process of of grief and and in these uh marriages as well i did you i did journal for a while before my first marriage i mean between my first marriage and my second marriage in aa then my second husband used my journals against me so i never journaled again because he found them and read them right and then i was in trouble and then um so then but what i have since 2012 i started a blog on called happiness heals and so I've written blogs of affirmations almost, I might have missed five months where I didn't write anything, right, in all them years. or, or But I think it's under 10 months out of all them years. It's 11 years now that my blog's been going. And so, and that's just, I just wrote, wrote affirmations. In 2012, I started writing affirmations for people. I had a couple of friends that were in a real big mess, and every day I wrote them affirmations to try to cheer them up. You know, sometimes it worked better than others, but you know. And then because um, we need, I think for us to be happy, we need to change our perspectives about ourselves because we're ever evolving spiritual beings in these earthly meat suits. And if you really, what you think about, I mean, I was a housekeeper in New Mexico and I was like not happy with American politics. And I was like, God, get me out of here. I don't want to pay taxes for all this stuff. I want to pay, go somewhere else and pay taxes. Maybe we're not fight all the time, right? Because like, I didn't believe in hitting, right? My ex-husband, I didn't, I never hit him back. I promised I would never hit him back because hitting's wrong. Even if you're hitting back, it's still wrong. It's still hurting. And I mean, he was bigger and stronger than me, so it would be pointless anyway. But I pushed him off of me a couple times, and but not aggressing back. And then, because um, I was going to fix him, he gave me an orgasm. I wanted to fix him to stop hitting me. I loved him. He was a really, he was a he could fix everything. Squash. <laughs> and so there was lots of good things that I liked about him, and he healed my lifelong problem. I was 29 before I had the orgasm, right? I was really wanting that. I was going through them. And if you can't help me have one, get out of here. <laughs> so, so then it, this, this goes through then with him, then you did, you were writing, then you stopped journaling because of the fear of then being seen. Right. Then you, you write then this blog at in 2012, start writing affirmations for others as well, helping others. In that journey, then, were you already doing Reiki and reflexology or in that yeah. time? In the, okay. So all yeah. this healing and helping others had started around then 2012? Oh, or before well, I've, that? Been, I've been doing reflexology 
with um, your mom. I know when she yeah, was there. Yeah, off and on, not like professionally or just for friends, pretty much my whole life, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, um, and then I, uh, and then the Reiki came in later. First it was reflexology and then the and Reiki. Then the Reiki. Okay. And then, um, but mostly since um, I met Robert in 2004 in Silver City, New Mexico, where I was living. Mm-hmm. And so I just had went to a dance and then he ended up, I was dancing with just a bunch of girlfriends, right? So you don't get drunk, right? You have to dance. I mean, you get too drunk just drinking. <laughs> and I was quite good at that still, right? Because once I quit drinking, then I started and then now I don't drink anymore since 2014. Mm-hmm. But, um, and never with quite the zealousness that I did when I was young, but um, still too much. And uh, and so, you know, with just being able to have a partner where I could grow and be understood and who was trying to support me um, emotionally and physically, then um, not having to feel like, you know, every time I do something, I'm in trouble about this or that, right? Because he had a very much more... Uh, trusting perspective right my Mm ex-husband just came from too violent of a home right and so that he was too scared and so to to you know i could have friends and and it was important for me to pick a man who had friends because if i'm if someone don't have friends a man or a woman if you're dating if they don't have friends then they might not be that friendly (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh wow so so 2004 then with robert 2012 then the the blog and then how did then the blog turn into now the book i i just had always wanted to um to write and so i started here's my first book um healing my heart after domestic abuse oh okay so you have that one too okay yeah and so then my other one it'll be the same format right there'll be a a short affirmation and then a photo i mean Mm -hmm. a sketch and then a longer affirmation and i like the longer affirmations because i mean we we ad nauseum in our head berate ourselves oh i'm not pretty enough oh i'm too fat oh i'm not you know whatever there was lots i used to berate myself ad nauseum right Mm-hmm. And instead, to try to um, reprogram myself so that I say nice things to myself and be supportive, like I could do that, or like when I do my workout, it's like, oh, I'm strong in between every repetition, right? <laughs> strong, I'm strong. <laughs> yeah. And to to build myself up, and because each, because our thoughts, I mean, in AA, they taught, they said, well, you know, if anybody talked to me like I talked to myself, I would kill them. Someone mm-hmm. said once, and I mm-hmm. thought, oh. Yes, like we we are so not kind. Yeah, like we give so much grace to others, yet we are we don't give enough grace to ourselves and things and how we speak to us ourselves. So in in this in the new book then that you just released then in November of Mm -hmm. of twenty twenty one, again, and I'm going to repeat the title: Healing My Heart After a Loss: Affirmations That Encourage Me to feel and heal my grief. And again, this is Stephanie Serens that I'm talking about, talking to and the author. And then you have an illustrator in that book. Uh, would you mind sharing one of the affirmations in the book with the listeners? Oh, you know, let's see. How I, can... I actually, because I, I see think... the one that's on Amazon. If you don't, I, I, on the Amazon little clip, there's one, a sample of it. Um, right. I, 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 I could read sure. that one or if you want to read yourself one. You know, if you want to, whichever, if you want to read it, you can just read that one, or I can just go to the, um, to Word, right, and yes, then read yes, one. Yeah. Yeah, I was hoping, <laughs> I have, my books are in the mail coming, I was hoping they would be here, but they're going to be here in about three <laughs> days, so I was Yay. like, dang. So, so then, when as you're looking for that then, so the best ways for people, so you can get them on Amazon, and there's uh, kin, um, Kindle edition, paperback as yeah. well as then your website as well, where you have your blog. Is that also where they're able to um, find the book as well? Can they purchase it from your website too? Um, you know, that was another goal that I had to get done before today, but it's going it's to okay. be done soon. But you know, it's okay. just not on Amazon. Amazon. Right, and yeah. then while you're looking, her blog is happinessheals.wordpress.com. Again, um, 
Stephanie Sarans, who we're speaking to. And the reason I'm saying the name several times, my dad, who's my biggest listener, the one that's probably listened to every single one of my episodes the most, he's like, Kendra, can you please repeat the person's name again at the end of the podcast and say their last name a little more? I'm like, Dad, I will do all my best to remember to do that as I'm doing this. So, <laughs> so oh, thank you, Daddy, for great. the advice. So if people hear me saying that at the end a little more and acknowledging the full name of who I'm speaking to, it's because one of my biggest fans, my dad, <laughs> has recommended I do that. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Tell me when you have found one. All right. I think that uh, there we go. So let's see. I'm closing. So I'm how about close my eyes? I'm gonna close my right. eyes as I listen. So how about expressing my grief? So expressing my grief through conversations with trusted friends heals my heart. My grief spills forth from my heart through my words causing my soul to connect to source energy, enabling me to cope with my sorrow. Remembering that even though my loved one has transformed back to golden light, we are one through our hearts. Connection. And then, mm. so that was the short part. So and then, So beautiful. Oh. I love that. Um, imagery of the golden light and plus that just brought me back to when you were talking about you doing that meditation like you know uh, with your with your mom and you seeing that golden light and it kind of re refracting into several you know individual lights that you mentioned before so um I, i love that visual Oh, thank you. And then, so that's the short affirmation. And then the other side is the full page affirmation. And so this is the affirmation four from the book. Each time I allow myself to share my grief with trusted friends, my heart gets lighter. My friends comfort me with soothing words that remind me I am loved. It is up to me to keep sharing my grief so that my heart receives the solace. It needs to heal. Grief is best shared with friends who love me wholeheartedly. My life is blessed to have caring friends that want what is best for me. As I am able to speak about the loss of my loved one, my face is soon covered with tears once again. My friends give me the gift of listening so that I am able to hear my sorrow. The attention my friends offer me is mending my soul. My grief is eased by the care of my friends. As my tears start to flow, my friends step up to give me space, hugs, chocolate, or a warm blanket, and I feel safe. I choose to visualize my beloved as golden light, which brings to my heart a sense of peace. It is a blessing to me to know that his body is what has dissolved so that the golden light of his spirit is free to roam the heavens. We are still connected by our gift of love. I am a comforted child of universal love, and universal love knows I am connected to my loved one through my heart. All right, he liked it. Yeah, that was my, my, <laughs> my, my guest, my nephew, my nephew dog who's visiting. It's like, it's like, so, oh. so he just, yeah, he did. He gave approval. <laughs> I was so, I was so like concentrated. And then right as you ended, <laughs> Poncho is his name, just barked oh, here. Oh, wow. That it was just so beautiful. Thank you oh, so much. It's you. such a, a, a beautiful way of just wrapping all this conversation up so that people can just connect again, not only to your book, but also just to you, because those words that you wrote um, just really do give comfort and know, you know, people know that when they're reading these affirmations, it does come from someone who's already been through something like that they might have been. And therefore um, you, you can relate, you know, you can relate to that pain. And if they've helped you in your healing journey, I'm sure that they will play a part, a big part in your readers as well as they read 
your your book. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Stephanie, yeah. is there anything I did not ask in this um, journey or any question that I asked that we might have gone in all these different loops that we didn't get to answer? <laughs> no, I think we pretty much have covered it all. I, I just feel very blessed that you gave me the opportunity. Um, this is uh, my second podcast and the first one about my book a friend of mine she has a podcast um, living your juiciest life and I've had such a messy life and now I'm I like and now my you're life juicy and, now it's juicy yeah. <laughs> and so and, but that's what inspired me because she did that I thought you know now that my books and I should reach out to grief podcasters right and maybe that can help me to become the next Louise Hay because she passed away, yeah. right? So we need a new affirmation person in the yes. world. Yes. No, and it and it's 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 beautiful and we all uh connect you know, I, I always say this with um in general, like there's a lot of, for example, grief podcasts, there's a lot of different authors, right, as well. But there is never enough because everyone will relate or connect to a different, you know, uh, either podcast or a different author or book because it has to be something that resonates with the person that's either reading if it's a book or the person that's listening so the more that there's out there the more tools that are out there the better and um so that's that's wonderful that you now have this affirmations book and again you can find healing my heart after loss affirmations that encourage me to feel and heal my grief on amazon um, and Stephanie Sarens, it was a pleasure having you on. And thank you so much for sharing your juicy life because we did hear uh, that was probably some juicy conversation. I don't think that that the word orgasm has ever been in my podcast till today. So. <laughs> well, death and orgasm don't always go together, right? <laughs> unless there if you go. died have an orgasm that'd there be pretty we go. Good. then that would also be that that person had a very juicy life as they lived but thank you so much for sharing thank and, you. and um, yes if, if you're interested i'd love to offer you a free copy of my book if you send me your if you'd like a copy of my real book i'll send you one uh, at paperback if you send oh. me your address oh thank you so much stephanie that's so kind of you thank you and thank thanks you. again to the listeners for tuning in and again, make sure to check the show notes so that you can go and access the website links as well. Thank you once again. All right. And I'll make sure you have the book link if I didn't give it to you already. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.